Hello and thanks for joining me on another episode of Zof Talks today. Is it a risk to bet on yourself? And if you are betting on yourself, is it against yourself or are you betting on yourself? I have six powerful reasons why you should consider the challenge of betting on yourself. We have got a special guest with us today. He's a repeat offender, so he is back here again. Founder, financial coach and most importantly, risk taker, DJ. Hello, how are you doing? I am doing well. Thank you so much for having me back. Hopefully the audio is uh, great this time. We'll get it even better for next time, but um so happy to be here. Definitely. I think it's something like this we can do as we go along because we will slowly progress and get better. Thank you for the feedback to everybody listening. It's always appreciated. Where possible, we try our best today. I spent a good 15 minutes just asking DJ if he'd be kind enough to find another location. And he was very kind and very patient. He was able to go to his car. And I'm hoping this sounds a lot better for you guys. So thank you for that. And we are going to be picking his brains because he is a bit of a risk taker. He's doing what he loves and... I'm going to ask him a question straight away. Why is it important to take risks? Oh, it's important to take risks because I feel like the the best things in life are not, um, they don't have a clear path. Often the path that is predefined is not the path that is best for everybody. So if you just stay along the path, which I would call not taking a risk, right? You'll probably end up somewhere, but it won't be where you could have been had you kind of carved your own path and of course carving your own path means taking a risk oh that was nice that was a nice little recap there to explain it I oh thank you, you put you on the spot there i thought i thought you'll struggle but straight off you just gave me a wicked answer all right okay every day we make decisions and each decision whether big or small is forcing us to bet either on ourselves or against ourselves so there's lots of risks throughout the day that we do take and make we probably won't acknowledge them but there are some ways of hopefully helping. We're going to have a discussion around this topic and find a few ideas that would be considered risks. Some that would be maybe nice risks that actually progress you in your future and give you options to get better each time. So things along the lines of you learn to take risks as you take risks. So it's difficult being in a financial background for example if you're in an office environment where there's legislation and you have to do everything by the rule this doesn't really reflect on taking risks where it's going to be dependent on someone losing out it's more around you making your decisions in a way that can bring something back how would you say a risk would be suitable in an office environment or setting dj well it's in my what i've always done is use the time outside of the office <laughs> to kind of start building that foundation for taking a risk um in the office i'm learning i'm asking questions to everybody i mean presumably you're in a place where you it's at least related to something that you enjoy i mean that's kind of that helps but even if there's you know as long as there's people there who have a different story than you um there's always something to learn and so if you ask the right questions, you can start getting the right information, which will help you kind of build your your launch pad in the off hours. Um, so, yeah, you just have to kind of be willing to I won't say burn the candle at both ends. Not that extreme. But um, when you get home from work, hopefully your job is not so exhausting emotionally, mentally, you know, um, physically even hopefully you still have some creative energy left at the end of the day. And if your job is taking all of your creative energy and you've got nothing left and all you can do is watch Netflix and you're just not getting anywhere, something has to change. 
Okay, that's good because most office environments have a risk department to stop risk happening. So I'm glad we were able to clear that up. So now, if we were to cover this, firstly, just to help our listeners understand, risks can be taken in different types of scenarios. Can you give me an example of a risk where you, how you managed a risk, and was it for better or for worse? I'm I'm living it right now. Actually, this is a this is probably one of my uh, favorite examples. So. What's a, let me give you an example of what it looks like to not take a risk in this area. Maybe it's a risk, maybe it's not. If you want to be an entrepreneur, um, you could go to business school. A lot. That's a, that's a pretty clear path to um, some sort of financial success once you get out, you know, especially depending on the business school. Uh, what it also is, for a lot of us, is a, a, a lot of student loans. <laughs> uh, so you might take out a hundred plus thousand dollars of student loans. Well, here's the funny thing about student loans in America. You cannot get rid of them unless you're uh, extremely disabled or in death. That's it. Uh, so to me, going to business school seems riskier than the alternative, which I am actually doing right now. So let me, let me break down the alternative. The alternative is I'm funding my business on like credit cards and loans. Um, so I'm learning how to build a business by actually building a business um, and all of the debt that I'm incurring, which will reach about the same amount as a as a uh, MBA. That debt is dischargeable in bankruptcy. If worst case, I do not intend to declare bankruptcy. I intend to like be successful in this and I wouldn't bet the farm if I didn't think it was a great, you know, um, if I if I didn't think we had a great shot. But. It's all about capping your downside, you know, in the risk reward ratio when you are going to business school, it's high um, reward, but it's, in my opinion, it's also riskier than the alternative, which is I'm building this business, high potential reward, a lot less risk because I have this out if I need it. Okay. Let's, so, we can break that down, by the way, like we're going to, this, yeah. Yeah. I think going back to your bit, you said that, say, for example, you didn't have the credit card option. What would have been the alternative? Oh, if I didn't have the ability to go get credit cards and fund the yeah. business that way, yeah. um, you, it's time. It's uh, so it just takes a lot longer because, for example, with the money through the credit cards, I now have the ability to hire experts in certain areas, which decreases the amount of time it takes me to launch something. I could go and learn and to do all these things myself, but that um, that actually increases the risk of it not happening because there's certain things I'm just I'm not going to learn to be a coder in a in a, a reasonable amount of time. Now there are no code tools and all this, but there's just still parts of the business that I am not going to be excited to work on, and those parts are what going to have in the past kept me held back. So would you consider having a credit card a risk? Oh. No, a business credit card? No. I mean, it depends on what you, for me, no. Because if you look at the, let's break down what bankruptcy actually um, looks like. Because sometimes what you have to do in order to understand the risk is you have to play it out in your head and go like, well, what does the worst case scenario look like? So in my case, I have no assets. I don't own a home. My car is from 2004, so they can't take that away. I don't have like a ton of money sitting in the bank. They can't touch my um, retirement accounts. So if I, and I make below, 
I make um an, I do not make enough money. How how do you, what's the best way to put it? You can qualify for chapter seven if you make below a certain amount of money. And I make below that threshold. Chapter um, seven. Yeah, I was gonna say what's chapter seven? Okay, chapter seven bankruptcy is the type of bankruptcy where they just clear out all your debts. It's just gone. There's no payment plan. Ch chapter 13 is the payment plan one. So they kind of put you on a payment plan payment plan. And you have to make payments uh, consistently for five years in order to have your debts cleared. A lot of people actually don't make it five years. They miss at some point. So it, the, if you can get chapter seven, that's the way to go because it's just like clean slate. Um, but is that an option you're given or is that someone decides, the, like the person who comes in to just decide, is that decision that they make or how does that come about whether if you, you get that or don't? If you make below a certain amount of money, it's oh, okay. uh, basically guaranteed. Yeah, so... I work at a, I work part time for a nonprofit, which keeps my I am able to pay my expenses, but it doesn't put me over that threshold. So I'm strategic about how much money I'm bringing in, just in case, you know. Um, okay. Yeah. So touching on that, why is it that we have to use a credit card? Is it just the fact that it's easy, quick access to money? Is what's the? I'm trying to justify yeah. why I have a credit card. Yeah, that's exactly it. So if you try to get a loan from uh, a bank, you need to be in business for at least six months. So most of the time, you need to be in business for at least six months if you're trying to get a business loan. Okay, because I'm from a different mindset. It'd be interesting now how we either agree mm. or agree to disagree. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now, if I'm going to come into a venture and it's risky, I would rather have my own money saved up, which I use to do that. And if it goes badly i've lost my money i wouldn't be as happy using a credit card and doing that risk potentially losing that money and then even if i don't have anything to lose the reputation would be there because then your next time you want to borrow money would that not cause you a problem oh it will cause you a problem for about so up to so a lot of things in america are based on credit score right mm -hmm. um so if you it's going to tank your credit score when you declare bankruptcy no we're gonna i'm gonna break this down and then we're gonna look at the alternative which is not declaring bankruptcy and, and perhaps using your own cash but let's talk about this it will tank your credit score uh it stays on your rec your credit report for 10 years okay which is a, oh you oh so you go wow that's a long time that credit score however is w almost what matters most and it is a hundred percent possible and also a hundred percent likely that you will have a good credit score again before those 10 years are up. So let's say your credit score drops to like a, you know, 500. That's terrible. Anything above a 700 is going to be good. The question now becomes how long does it take you to go from a 500 to a 700? The answer is two years. If you, if you know the steps, you can basically, you start, you know, you do step one, you build your credit slowly. And then within two years you should be back above a 700 which now opens you up to all sorts of being able to you know borrow again one other thing i'll mention right before i uh is that they start sending you credit card applications as soon as you declare bankruptcy you become um like a great customer to these banks who are looking for people to pay high interest so they it's not like you lose access to capital, ironically. It just becomes more expensive. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's interesting you mentioned that. So in theory, 
this is us having a discussion. So if you are listening, this isn't uh, advice or you should do this. Seek your own uh, advice before you do this. But in theory, if you borrow some money on a credit card, you have trouble, you don't, and you take a risk and you aren't able to pay it back and they end up taking the card away from you, calling you bankrupt, for example, your credit score will go lower. However, if you were to get a credit card in, within two years, you can bring up your credit score back to where it was before. Is that kind of the summary of what you've said? Yes. Okay, so in that example then, if someone is struggling, are they able to take out two years of their life potentially to bring that credit score back up? Would that two years be a big hit to their plans or their finances that they want to achieve? Or would it have been better if they were maybe doing a job they didn't like, saving money for the two years and not risking having to go through the bank financial system where they go bankrupt. That's like a, a weighing scale, I suppose. Spend two years working hard or borrow money and potentially lose it. But I know you said you're going to expand on this further, so maybe that will answer my question. Yeah, these are. I love these questions. Um, so the there's. Let's look at. What, what, can you say the first part of your question again? Because I want to. Yeah, I want to get that first. So, for example, if you work a job and save money to then use towards the risks that you would have used the credit card money for that's option one option two is applying for a credit card and using that money to finance your well, inverted commas risk but idea ah, yes so here's why i don't think um there was a presumption that declaring bankruptcy puts you in a worse financial position that's actually usually not the case. It, it puts you in a worse financial position in terms of your ability to get credit for a while, but it usually puts you in a better financial position in terms of cash flow. And here's why. What were you doing before you declared bankruptcy? You were paying a bunch of bills every month. You were paying, like, so in my case, I'm probably paying like $2,000 a month in credit card bills, right? If I declare bankruptcy, I have $2,000 a month freed up. Like, it's not like they take your job away. So I still make the same amount of money, except now that $2,000 is no longer going towards credit card payments. It's going back into my life. Um, and so to me, you're in a better financial position in terms of cash flow. Um, now, during that two-year period where you, well, actually, let me stop there. I can see you got something in your head. So go ahead. Yeah. So thinking about that, if, for example, in this example, you've, you're paying $2,000 a month towards a credit card, why would you not save that £2,000 a month and within six months use that money to do what you were planning to do? So the $2,000 a month you're paying towards a credit card, the way it works in America is that um, you the minimum payment is about 1% to 2% of what you actually owe. Okay. You know, So I, it's leverage in a way. I'm not spending... So if you save $2,000 a month for six months, you have $12,000. I spend 12, more than $12,000 a month on the business. So therefore, I could, it would take me many, many years to save up. Actually, I can, I, let me give you a real number. Generally speaking, in order to kind of get your business to a place where you can start getting um, you know, investments, VC, you need about $150,000. And it's going to take about a year, 18 months, and $150,000 worth of capital to get there because you need to find sort of what you're building and do some research around whether people want it. And that takes 12 to 18 months. Also, it just costs money to do certain things. So yeah, that's the average. Okay. Go ahead. What are you thinking? Which which sector would that be in? Like what oh. type of... <laughs> you're so right. That's not a restaurant. That's not, you know, starting a, a law firm. That's starting a tech business. Uh, so okay. 
that's if you're doing a tech startup, which is what I'm doing. Okay, so what I would say to that is your expenses are too high. Why are you paying so much for expenses? Oh, that's a good question. It's because I, let me, let me put it to you like this. This is my last shot before I need to go start a family. Um, and my significant other is so wonderful and patient. However, I, if this doesn't, if this business doesn't work out, um, I have to go get a job at Google and just, you know, bring in a good salary and which is fine. I can do that, but I wouldn't be happy. So I don't care about money at this point. It is not about how much I will spend whatever I have to spend to get the best people to help give us the best chance of winning. And we have net. I've never gotten so far in a business before as I have with this one. So the money part doesn't really matter to me. It's all about getting the best people and making the most progress as quickly as possible. So it just depends on what your priorities are. Okay, so that's the perfect round off of that section where we spoke about money. And this is an ideal example of a risk because DJ is taking a risk. And you basically heard it firsthand there. There's loads of risks involved. However, just by him explaining why he's doing that, it's, it's made it all make sense because you understand that you want to do the best you can do. You take decisive risks to look at what would work. So that is a nice round after that. So I think we covered the money section of it. Let's look around some other risks that are potential risks that are not really direct risks relating to money or uh, that kind of things. So how about the, the holding yourself to higher standards, the risks that are involved around that during business life? Holding yourself to higher standards? Yeah. Can you define what you mean in that so, case? Uh, would it be a risk, for example, if you were to spend uh, your time as opposed to money to get your standards? So in terms of courses and doing, like, for example, you could go and do a course oh. or you could go and spend your own time learning your own education system and then using that to fund yourself. So your own personal high standards in terms of education side of things. Yes. Okay. So courses are great, but um, people use people use "I need to learn more" as an excuse all the time. It's like you have to decide within yourself if you're the kind of person who's who really does need to learn this, or if it's just comfortable to go back to school and be like, as soon as I know this, then I'll be ready to do that. The, the truth is like, you can go to school forever. The best school, in my opinion, is just going to try it and do it. And then you, if you fail, you learn something. So the really, as long as you take a lesson away, there is no failure. But I would say to most people, don't use school as a, as a, a reason to not try, reason to not get started. Don't use school as a crutch. Yes. So I think a lot of listeners tend to think, oh, I'll go back to higher education. Even in later life, they go back to university, spend time there. But in theory, the time you spend to try and raise your standards in education sense, you could be, like DJ says, working an actual place where you're learning a lot more hands on because some things you learn while doing it, you can never learn from an educational type environment. So there will be examples of that, which we can touch on later. Uh, is there any other points you want to add around this, uh, DJ, before I look at a few more points here? We can have a bit more of a free flow conversation. We're at point three here at the moment. I've got six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, school is safe but slow. And if you have, you know, when you're earlier in your uh, career, you know, you're in your early 20s, like school's great because it kind of, also, you may not have a sense of what it is you want to do. Um, and so just being around lots of different ideas and people and stories and experiences 
is is really good um but there comes a certain point in your life where you know what you want to do and you're you're saying i i don't believe in myself enough to be able to figure this out so let me go let me go to school um you know where that point is everybody has their own like sometimes yes you're going to need to watch some youtube videos but do you need to go take like a ten thousand dollar course um i don't know so really look deep at yourself and say, I like doing this because I'm afraid to get started or because it's something I really need. Yeah, so that touches again on the risk side of things. Now, depending on where you are during your journey, we've covered a couple of examples in terms of monetary risk, holding yourself to high standards in terms of educational risk. If you're in the education system, there are risks you will need to take at some point. You're going to have to leave that uh, school or college and go to an actual job and decide if that's for you. If not, you can during your earlier years even later years you can try lots of different things to find out what works for you and the big one here is think big but start small so a risk that uh, a few people can take is you can think about the big wider goal however you will need to make that first step towards getting that set up so even if that's starting a secondary job to get a bit of savings involved so you can start at least the first step or the alternative, like DJ mentioned, the credit card side of the route, which may be a possibility to get hold of some money. Um, during the risk element of this, there are more opportunities as well. So when you take risks, you'll be surprised you'll create more opportunities for yourself. So if you take a risk of maybe speaking to someone new who you wouldn't normally speak to, you're going to learn something that you would have never understood before. So have you got any examples of that, DJ, where you may be shared some information with someone new and got something that was able to be used with your either business or something that was successful for you? Oh, all the time. Um, so I do financial coaching, right? And I don't charge for it. Um, I'm just, I just want to help people. But you'd be so surprised how when you, whenever you interact with another person, I mean, the piece of the puzzle that you may be looking for may be within them. And then, so I, I, my method is to help people and also tell people about what I'm working on. Not because I'm asking them to like, hey, give me money or anything like that. It's just share what you're working on with people because at our core, most people want to help. They want to help you. Um, and so if they can connect you with something or give you an idea, that makes them feel good. But they'll never do that if they don't know what you're working on. So um that's a general principle, but yes, I could give you lots of examples right, where people <laughs> shared something with me that kind of opened up a door. Um, okay. Yes. So choosing what's valuable to you. So when you're making decisions around risk, how do you decide what's valuable enough to risk for? Oh, when you're that's a good question. When you're making decisions about risk. Um, so it, for me, it's playing out the worst case scenario. Um, a lot of people just kind of might think it, it, they know what the worst case scenario is, you know, because they've heard it and they go, oh, you know, it's bad. And they kind of leave it at that. But really go down that path and say, OK, what happens if I declare bankruptcy? I, I literally talk to a bankruptcy lawyer to understand the system better. I, again, I can't stress this enough. I have no intention of declaring bankruptcy, but understanding what the downside was empowered me to move forward um, because I realized the downside wasn't that bad for me. If I hadn't fully understood the downside, I might have stopped and been like, well, you know, it's too risky. So um, to, if you're trying to decide 
what is worth it and what is not play it out the worst case scenario you're always trying to kind of cap your downside while giving yourself the most potential upside so that's something quite amazing what you just shared there now so thinking about what you said there it basically means if you're going to do something find out what's the worst that can happen in that scenario and then you're already prepared yourself if it goes down that route you know what to do so anything before that point is going to be a win because you're not getting to that mm-hmm. point where it would be really bad so you've already planned some people plan for success but if you know what's the worst you're always going to go the opposite direction from that and if it does mm-hmm. come to that point you're ready and you understand the steps you need to take in order to get the right decision like in your example you've already spoke to a a solicitor or a lawyer about bankruptcy so you know okay so this is what i need to do so i need to keep that in mind and basically not do this if i come to that point which then means the next time you come up with an idea you can bounce back a lot quicker right right absolutely yep know your downside risk and um but always t- take asymmetrical bets this is what warren buffett does all the time so yeah, asymmetric what's, yeah what do you mean by that asymmetrical so, <laughs> if the if the potential risk as is as great as the potential reward that is a symmetrical bet it's the same on both sides yes you could win a lot okay. but yeah you could you, you could lose a lot too okay. um asymmetrical means the risk is much lower than the potential upside so that means it's heavier on the upside like possible success you know so let me give you an example mm-hmm. I, i'm starting a a startup right um my risk is bankruptcy which means i'm going to have a bad mark on my credit for up to 10 years it doesn't really mean too much to me financially cuz i i don't want to buy a house i'm not like a big mm-hmm. i i prefer to be able to move around and have flexibility so i know my situation so yeah worst case scenario i have this mark on my credit for 10 years that doesn't seem so bad to me the potential upside is i could have a multi billion dollar business you know that's asymmetrical <laughs> that's okay. an asymmetrical bet so possibly thinking about the better side of it so where you end up in a better place like for example i can buy uh, a cold can or i can use that money to buy a camera a webcam for example mm-hmm. which one is going to bring me more value is mm-hmm. that kind is that kind of this i'm trying to figure out an example where i'll understand it because what you explained wow. made sense but is it not wasting money on something using that money in a better way to give you returns is that so it is it's put, everything every decision you make is usually going to involve spending money or time okay and money and time uh you know and or time and you want to make sure you're using those resources to the best um to the greatest potential lowest amount of risk um so if you're talking about you have $1000 in your account um what can i spend that money on can, you could spend it on a camera and start a youtube channel and a podcast and okay. um or you could spend it on school okay I, i have nothing against school but let's look at the 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 reward that comes directly as a result of school you spend a thousand dollars the thousand dollars is gone what you have to show for it at the end is something saying you've taken some classes there's nothing that says once you finish school everything is going to come to you i went to stanford nothing was handed to me like after i graduated you know it really depends on what you do with it so to me if you have a thousand dollars you'd be far better off going to go start your 
podcast and just figuring it out along the way than it would be to take like a podcasting class. Like everything you need to learn, you can use learn on YouTube also, by the way. But hmm, Okay, but is the potentially those two are the same? Because you could go to, example, you went to Stanford, you got, you paid for it, you were out of Stanford, you might get lucky and the job you go to, someone highly regards Stanford as a good place and wants to give you a job. And the flip side of that, you might not get anything and you might just be treated like normal. And then, however, if you took the first route and you got your uh, camera, you did some podcasting or recording, there's no guarantee you're going to make it. You may make a thousand videos and not get anywhere until someone sees you. So it's an element of luck in both of those. There's Oh, there's always an element of luck. And I'm glad you brought that up. But it's, um, in my opinion, the learning, there's, a, there's a luck and then there's learning. And school is one type of learning but doing is a different type of learning and it kind of like seeps into yourself more. It's like, I feel like I always get more from, from doing and you're also opening yourself up to more potential luck. So let me give you an example. Um, I'm in school, right? You know, let's say I'm in school and who knows about me? Like who's seeing my work? Nobody. Whereas if I have a, if I now started a podcast, you've you're now exposing yourself to lots of potential opportunities that would not have happened if you were just sitting in a classroom um and it sounds like i hate school i actually love school i have to make myself not go to school because my tendency is to want to just keep learning all the time so but does that kind of make sense like you're increasing your your chances of luck happening by putting yourself out there i could have waited forever to be on a podcast and be like i'm not ready i'm not at the end of my story i haven't succeeded yet but I was like, I, you know, hey, let's just do this. See what happens. What's the worst that could happen, right? <laughs> so. What did you come to? What was what was the worst that could happen? The worst that could happen is I make a fool of myself and, you know, some people hear it and they go, that guy's an idiot. But like, is that really the end? There's a lot of people in the world. And even, even that wouldn't happen because if you're on a podcast with a host, the host will understand you're talking. And if he thinks there's something that makes you sound not great, they'll just not say to you, you know what, we're not put that section in. So even that's not a risk. So you're okay with me. I'm okay with you. See, that yeah. would be a risk with some hosts, but not with Zolf. Not yeah. with Zolf. <laughs> I think always when we're speaking, I want to get the best bits. So when people hear us, we can understand. When I say the best bits, I mean more like the pros and cons. Mm. And we don't want we don't want to do a scenario where we want to make someone sound worse or bad. It's just think about this and this. It's, yes. One might be right for you. That's one right. Because you know, there's loads of people listening who have different levels of expertise. Like, for example... You could be talking to me about asymmetric, which we can understand, but someone listening may be like, wait a minute, what was that? So that's why I make sure to deep dive into anything that I would have questioned when I didn't know. And yes. then that way, they we want to build the knowledge at the same time. So they're at the same level when we're talking and they know, okay, that's what they refer to. So I asked you earlier to explain in two different ways because we have kind of really two different audiences some are between 30 and 35 a, a few are between under 20 who wouldn't really have experienced that they're still at the education side of it so these examples we're talking about i'm hoping they're relating to the listeners and we did nicely cover the main topic of today which was risks DJ, mm. if i was to ask you to just summarize maybe like a not motivational but why you should take risks why you shouldn't take risks and maybe like a, a sign-off type scenario so people can judge this we've had about why is it 30 minute conversation something that we can summarize so someone listening can be like okay now that makes sense or it doesn't make sense everybody here on earth i believe has a purpose you know there's something 
that you've been gifted to do. And there's going to be a lot of resistance to that. There's because we live in a society that kind of rewards um, safety, security. It's funny. We, we actually appreciate the people who make it outside and become wildly successful, but then we don't necessarily reward the path it took for them to become successful. So you'd be like, well, you should go to, you should definitely go to a college. You should go get your MBA. You know, we, we look at that as like signs of success. Um, but it may not align with your purpose. And you have to, first of all, in order to understand what your purpose is, that's not something that's always given. You need to try lots of different things, see what makes you light up, what makes time fly by. And then don't, don't ignore those things just because you can't figure out a way to turn that into a career. Um, so start small, like Zolf said, start doing something for it. You don't have to go and take out a bunch of credit cards and be like, I'm going to invest a hundred thousand dollars into this thing that I think I might like start small. Um, and then as you continue to show promise in that area, like look at how many episodes Zolf has done. Zolf is someone I would say, he can take a big risk now if he wants to go and invest more in his cameras and studio and all that. It makes sense because he's proven that he's someone who's going to stick along, stick with his path. Um, he likes it. It lights him up. So once you figure out what your purpose is, then your job becomes um, start carving out as much time as possible for your purpose. And that sometimes means taking a job that is less draining on you emotionally. It might pay less, but it gives you more time to pursue your purpose. You need, you need to start making a place for your purpose, make a place in your life for your purpose. Um, and that there's risks always involved with that because usually it means you start having to leave the, the, the normal path. Um, and then just to go back to like deciding which risks to take, look at the potential downside, make sure you're not, you won't lose everything um, oh, okay. Make sure you won't lose everything if you take this bet, but you know, make sure it has a high potential upside too. What could possibly come if you do try to, if you do start your own podcast, um, lots of great things could come from that. Zolf, let me ask you, what's the worst thing that could happen if this podcast fails in, in the traditional sense of the word, you know? Yes. That's a good question. Realistically, there's no fail or win. My mm -hmm. main goal is making an episode. I don't have, I don't have a, a, a radar for what's fail or what's win. It's just I need to make an episode. That's all it is. There you go. Did you did you hear that, everyone? Stop looking at things um, long term. Is this a fail? Is is this a win? Did you do the thing? It set the goal. The small goal is in Zolf's case, make an episode. If he makes an episode, that's what he can control. He has no control over whether this is going to go viral or not. He did his part. He made the episode. He showed up and did the best he could do. And he does that every time. And there, you have to have this belief that if you continue to do that, it will result in something positive. But you're not driven by that outcome. That's The fame and the fortune is not your driving uh, factor. It is the enjoyment that comes from doing these episodes. Uh, would you say, Zolf, like you really yes. enjoy having Def these conversations? Definitely. And we will say this is our episode now because the next episode, which will follow this one, will be about podcasting, how to start podcasting, and also why 
the podcast. So a lot more of a dive there. So I'm going to say thank you to our guest DJ today. It's been a pleasure having him on. As always, second episode we've done today. We really enjoyed the way he explains things to us. He's got his own site, which you must check out, the afesociety.org. And he's got his own coaching set up. We'll be getting more from him. So I want to make sure that we say thank you and we'll see you on the next episode where we're going to talk about podcasting.